Brian Koberger was in court for a gag order slash camera ban hearing on June 9th, and there's info now that he wants to contest his indictment. In this hearing, Brian made sure to have his power suit on, which is a very different visual from what we saw in the last hearing. There was also an interesting interaction between the attorney for the Gonsalves family, his name is Shannon Gray, and the judge. And the judge opened the hearing with something that was very, very much needed to hear. The prosecution is also requesting some important information. So now, let's get into it. Brian was indicted on May 16, 2023 for the murders of the university students Kaylee, Maddie, Zana, and Ethan, who were brutally murdered back in November of 2022. He was in court for his arraignment hearing on May 22nd to enter his plea. However, it was a bit different because he didn't enter guilty or not guilty as a plea. He stood silent. And although it's rare, it does happen. And when that happens, the judge is then required to enter a plea of not guilty. We don't hear it straight from Brian's mouth or the defense. Some say that's a tactic. But after the hearing, the defense team talked about that plea. They said that Brian stood silent at his arraignment to preserve his right to contest the indictment. Now, in the most recent hearing, first Brian appeared very different in court than when we saw him last. In the last hearing, we saw him in his jail-issued jumpsuit, shuffling to his seat due to being shackled. But in this hearing, he was wearing a suit, a blue shirt, and a tie, and his hair was all gelled up. But Brian definitely had his power suit on and his confidence showed but I'll get to more of his behavior and demeanor in a minute. The hearing opened with an apology from the judge. In the last hearing, he made a lot of people upset because of his errors in pronouncing two of the victims' names wrong, Kaylee Gonzalez and also Zana Kernodal. So he apologized at the beginning of this hearing and offered a reason for it. Have a look. So uh, before we get into the arguments, um I want to address the Gonzalez uh, family um, and all the families, really. Didn't really have an opportunity to do this at the arraignment. Uh, my heart does go out to the families. Um, and um, the loss to your children is devastating and horrific. I mean, there's no dispute about that. I also want to um, acknowledge and apologize because at the arraignment, I did stumble over a couple of names, Kaylee's name and Zayn's name, and I want to explain that. I was uh, up all night, um, really ill, probably food poisoning, and I was not at full potential, uh, probably also some emotion and nerves as I read those names. And uh, I'm sorry. So that's my apology for that. I know some people were concerned about that and wanted to address it. Now, what do you think about that? Let me know below. It was more than a stumble in the names, in my opinion, but for him to acknowledge it was important, and I'm glad he did, and I'm glad he said something. What was interesting to me was that he talked about food poisoning for the reasoning. Mm, I don't know about that, but at any rate, I'm very happy that he acknowledged it, and I really hope, and I'm sure that the families are too. 
So there's a gag order in the case and Brian's attorneys want the gag order to stay for the duration of his trial, which is set for October of this year. They want this order to make sure Brian gets a fair trial, which he has a right to, but one of the victim's family, Kaylee Gonsalves family, is fighting the order. The defense states, it remains appropriate to have an order reminding lawyers and their agents of the rules of engagement in this country and that we try cases in court, not in the press. The defense attorney also called the media coverage grotesque and twisted. He said, the media of 2023 is not a good place to go. We're trying to resolve issues, not make them worse. The defense also said that the push by the media is to show in every possible way that the state has it right. This is their guy and the question is how long until we get him to the firing squad. He says it's grotesque. He also continues, if they spoke to us, they'll pick and choose from our statement. Now the defense also talked about how the media would use any small detail to be used as evidence against Brian and he used the example of a blue toothbrush. He said that we would take that and run with it. Now the media coalition says that while it respects the defendant's right to a fair trial under the Sixth Amendment, the court should not have issued a gag order without evidence that rights would be infringed by their ability to speak with attorneys involved in the case. Interveners agree that there has been and will continue to be great publicity surrounding this case. And of course, it is a huge case for innocent people were murdered. They continue on saying, but publicity alone is not prejudicial. The state's and Mr. Koberger's failure to present any evidence of prejudicial news coverage and the court's failure to consider alternate measures means the competing constitutional rights here were improperly balanced and the gag order should be vacated. Now, Brian also wants cameras banned in the courtroom for his trial as well and protect his Sixth Amendment right. The document states, Mr. Koberger's charge and subsequent courtroom proceedings have captured the attention of local and national news organizations as well as social media platforms. The court has previously permitted cameras in the courtroom in regards to his case prior proceedings. However, given the sensationalized nature of this case, the audiovisual coverage has become material for news outlets and social media accounts to espouse their unfounded opinions. In the Lori Daybell trial, cameras were banned from her trial and the family was really upset about that. For three years, the cameras weren't leading up to that trial and then at the tail end, poof, no cameras. For the public, it was harder to follow the case even though the coverage was excellent from East Idaho News and we got to hear the trial. And here they want the same thing with the camera ban. But do you think they should ban the cameras? Let me know below. And if we go back to the toothbrush example about the media will use every little thing on Brian, then they do contradict themselves on their point. It doesn't matter if the cameras are in there or not. According to them, they are gonna say something anyway, right? toothbrush. They'll say anything even if it was about the color of a toothbrush. So really, they're contradicting themselves. So if I was the prosecution, I would use that point. What do you think? Some of the points from Brian and the team about this is that his body language is being overanalyzed. Some have said through social media that he keeps getting creepier and it just looks like he is just filled with darkness and hate, it's said. They said this type of coverage puts the case at risk of mob justice. Now I can see their point, but I also saw the Lori Daybell case. They found jurors who were fair and impartial and that case was bananas, but I can see when some might take it too far. This is definitely a new world we live in, obviously with social 
social media, and it's something that the courts will have to navigate. But in the end, most of us just want to get to the truth, whatever that may end up being. Now, attorneys for interveners wrote in response that cameras should not be banned and said the court will certainly instruct the jurors not to watch news coverage regardless of whether it allows audiovisual coverage. They also offer a solution or a compromise by saying to address Mr. Koberger's concern while allowing impacted community members to view the proceedings, the court should regulate how cameras capture Mr. Koberger by, for example, allowing only wider shots or limiting how close the camera can zoom. Now, in the documents, there is Crime Stories host Nancy Grace. She was mentioned in legal documents and made an example of the post that was posted to TikTok where she talked about the allegations that Brian broke into a female colleague's apartment and installed cameras. And Nancy, who was once a former prosecutor, responded on Crime Online and said, Our Constitution calls for open courtrooms, free to public access, and all who wish to see justice unfold. We also are protected by freedom of speech. I believe it is wrong that the families have been silenced by a gag order. But the judge said he's never denied cameras in court, but feels that this case is different. He feels that the cameras aren't the problem, but what the media does with the video and the photographs. I also did a video, my last video about Brian's arraignment. There was some really weird, odd, you know, things throughout that, especially with his demeanor. There was one part that I caught that it looked like he was trying to be inconspicuous, but he wasn't, I caught it. Have a look at that last video and you'll see what I was talking about. Now the attorney for the Gonsalves family, Shannon Gray, also asked the judge to lift the gag order and said he should be allowed to speak on the family's behalf. An interesting piece of information that came out from the hearing was that the prosecution has never interviewed the Gonsalves family. He also said that the family hasn't been updated about the case. He questioned if the family are potential witnesses and the judge said, yes, they are. But Shannon Gray says, we have to define that, what means involvement in this case. We've seen Kaylee's dad, Steve, be very vocal throughout this case, seeking answers for his little girl and her best friend, Maddie Mogan, who was also murdered. But the prosecution said, an attorney going on TV makes it harder to ignore for a potential juror. Shannon also says this is an attempt by the prosecution to shut them, meaning the Gonsalves family, up and shut me up. I have not seen a poor line of communication in my 22 years than with the prosecution and the Gonsalves family. Note Shannon's behavior in court was interesting towards the judge. He was quite spicy in there. You could tell he was frustrated. I was a bit surprised at times at how he talked to the judge, but the judge also held his own. Everybody's gonna have a chance to weigh in on this and I, I just, you know, I'm, you're helping me understand what the issues are, so thank you. Well, is so that's really the issue here. I mean, and, and it's, this is an important ruling because what you're doing is is this has never happened before, ever has it happened before that a judge, Judge Marshall, has tried to silence the attorneys for victims. Never has it happened that I'm aware of. Would you feel more comfortable if uh, there was a more concrete? description of what people could say and what they can't say? I don't think you have the authority to, Your Honor. Well, I think I do have the authority. I, I, well, my argument is, is that, part of the argument is that... In fact, I know I have the authority to do that. Well, and the authority would be through your fair, the attempt to have a fair and impartial jury, that you can control uh, people that are involved in the case, correct? That's part of it. And we're not involved in the case. Okay, that's, so, that's, that's, that's hard to accept. 
Right. We're not witnesses in the case. We're not involved in the investigation. We're not involved in the litigation. I can't file any motions. I can't subpoena anybody. I can't cross-examine witnesses. I can't do anything. So this idea that there's this loose idea that there may be weighing that versus our freedom to speak, the First Amendment, is... We're talking about your That's right. speech. That's right. Not your client's speech. So Wendy Olson, who's an attorney representing 30 media organizations, states there are ways around potential overexposure to the jury, like change of venue, jury questioning, and the passage of time. Again, in the Lori Vallow case, we saw that they changed the venue and quite a bit of time passed as well. She was able to have a fair trial. Now, just days after Brian's arraignment on May 26th, the prosecution requested his alibi. In Idaho, the law states that Brian will have 10 days to respond to the prosecution unless the judge extends the deadline. But the attorneys requested to have more time if they will submit his alibi as part of his defense. It's law that the attorneys are to submit their intention if they will provide an alibi before his October trial. But since the defense is stating that the discovery is so voluminous, they said they need time to go through all of it before locking down their defense strategy. An attorney named Rachel Fissett, Fissett, don't know if I can say that right, who's not involved in the case, she weighed in and said Koberger has asked for an extension of the time to provide that alibi so his attorneys can review all of the evidence against him, which could allow them to create a timeline of events that place Koberger in specific places but not contradict credible evidence that may place him elsewhere. In layman's terms, she said, this request sounds like Koberger's attorneys either do not believe their client's potential alibi or they do not have one and need to work to develop that timeline free of conflicting witness statements and evidence placing him elsewhere. For instance, if Koberger states he was in Washington at a specific time that evening, his attorneys want to be sure that the state's evidence does not have pictures of his car in Idaho at the same time. Well, yeah, that's what an alibi is, right? So it will be interesting if they do use that and what the alibi looks like. From what we've heard in the past, Brian was a bit of a loner and although he attempted to make some friends, he was described as awkward. But after the murders, many around him made note that his demeanor changed. He was being more upbeat and chatty. As of the time of this recording, though, the judge has not yet ruled on whether or not to grant them an extension. Earlier in the video, I talked about Brian in a suit and he seemed to have his power suit on. He had more confidence. It looked like, in my opinion, in this hearing, I believe Brian does have a genuine interest in the information. You might say, well, yeah, of course, Linda, he does because it's his own you know, hearing and trial coming up. But I think it's beyond that. I think he likes details. He likes information. And I also think that's part of his pattern. He's intrigued by the process. I say that from also seeing his body cam footage at a traffic stop. He gets stopped for sitting, I believe it was in the intersection. He was making a left turn and it turned red and she pulled him over. And he explains that back home in Pennsylvania, he doesn't have crosswalks. That types of things new to him. He wanted to know what the law was, what's the right thing to do. And he kept asking questions. I don't think it's of defiance at all, but I think it's a pure intrigue in the process. We see that in court as well. He also, you could see him sometimes really just gently nod in agreement. And now Brian's attorney, Ann Taylor, has filed a motion to stay the proceedings. He wants to stop them and says they need time and they need access to the complete record of the grand jury proceedings for their defense. And Brian argues that 
because of the extensive media coverage, the potential presence of exculpatory evidence, and the need to evaluate the grand jury process, it's necessary that they release these materials so they can go over them. The defense proposes that a qualified protective order to maintain confidentiality while granting access to the records be done. But according to reports, the state has only offered partial transcripts and audio recordings, and that prompts the defense to request the court to intervene in compelling the state to provide this information. So Judge John Judge, that's his name, didn't make an immediate decision and will make a written one after weighing both sides. A hearing is scheduled for June 26, 2023, where the argument over the release of the full grand jury records will be discussed further. They also have 60 days to enter a decision if the state will pursue the death penalty and if they do, then Brian, if he's guilty, would face death by firing squad, a new ruling in Idaho. And the prosecution will be sitting with each of the victim's family, and then they'll make a decision based on what their thoughts are about the death penalty. We already know that the Gonsalves family supports the death penalty in this case. And Kaylee's dad, Steve, talked about the death penalty previously, and Kaylee's mom also said she hopes that Brian would be put to death like an animal, like he is. Steve said justice is when you leave the planet and the whole world is able to rejoice and be glad that you are not there. That's justice and we will forgive him. Zana's mom said, I want to see him pay for what he's done. I'm not interested in the death penalty. That's not who I am. I don't believe in that, but I do believe he should spend the rest of his days in prison. We haven't heard from Ethan's family or Maddie's family that I know of. I do know that Ethan's family isn't planning on being present at the trial. They believe that it won't bring their son back, so they're not going to go. Brian's mom spoke about the death penalty, though, years and years ago. She wrote a letter that was published in 2008. Brian would have just been a teenager. She said that state-sanctified murder is still just that murder, and by all means, she doesn't support the death penalty. You gotta wonder now what her thoughts are all these years later when her son is accused of quadruple murder and one that the authorities deem the worst crime scene they've ever witnessed. I'm sure she still doesn't believe in the death penalty, especially of her son, right? But you just gotta wonder what's going through their mind. If he's guilty, is she pulling up memories that perhaps were in question? In my opinion, you don't get this way overnight and be able to do what he did, allegedly, and not have an inkling of anything before that. You gotta wonder. Brian's trial is October 2nd, 2023, and it's expected to be six weeks. Do you think it's gonna happen or do you think it's gonna take some time? Let me know below. Check out my playlist right here and you can check out my theory video right here. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. And again, they say the state's and Mr. Koberger's failure to present any evidence of And this. The state's and Mr. Koberger's failure to present any evidence of prejudicial. Why can't I say that? Prejudicial. 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 Say that fast.